Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Let's hop in our quanta time machine. It's 1914. French mathematician Henri Lebec writes a letter to his friend Julius Powell. In it, a mathematical problem. What is the shape with the smallest area that can completely cover a host of other shapes? These shapes all have to share a certain trait in common. Now, a guy who's not a professional mathematician has an answer. Gibbs is an independent physicist who created Vixra.org, dubbed as a competitor to Archive.org. He's not a professional mathematician, so when he wanted a problem to chew on, he looked for one where even an amateur could make a difference. He found a challenge that could drive even the most exacting minds mad. Gibbs completed a paper last year that achieved a major advance on Lebec's 100-year-old question. It hinges on the ability to accurately measure an area down to the atomic scale. It's a problem which, on the face of it, is fairly easy to understand. But like many of these kind of optimization problems in geometry, the solutions get more and more complex the more you try and look at them and the more you try and refine them. In the century since Lebec pondered the question, his universal covering problem has turned out to be a mousetrap. When progress comes at all, it's been astonishingly incremental. By comparison, Gibbs' improvement is dramatic, but you still have to squint to see it. Picture a dozen paper cutouts of different sizes and shapes lying on your floor. Now, imagine being asked to design another shape that's just big enough to cover any of those dozen shapes. You can overlay the shapes, or you can rotate them. Through experimentation, you could feel your way to a solution. But once you've found a universal cover, how would you know if you found the smallest one? You could imagine returning to your cover throughout the day, finding places to trim a little more here or there. That's the spirit of Lebec's universal covering problem. Instead of paper cutouts, it considers shapes where no two points are farther than one unit apart. Gibbs says it can be any shape, and even a quite complicated shape. But there are shapes that are maximal in the sense that you can't add any more to them without extending the diameter. So the circle is an example of that. You can't extend the circle, you can't embed it in a bigger shape without increasing its diameter. We're talking about a circle with diameter one. There are infinitely many other shapes that work. The equilateral triangle, the regular pentagon, the regular hexagon, and a three-sided shape with bulging sides known as the Rouleau triangle. The diversity of shapes makes it hard to find the smallest cover for them all. Soon after receiving the letter from Lebec in 1914, Powell recognized that the regular hexagon is a universal cover. Then Gibbs says Powell did one better. He also noticed that within that shape, you could move the shapes around and you could find that two of the corners could be cut off. So the way you cut them off is, if you imagine this hexagon, you've got a regular hexagon, take a copy of that hexagon on top of it and then rotate it. So if you rotate it through 30 degrees, 
then you're just going to cut off two of the corners. That brings the upper bound down. So that was where he left it. The resulting shape had less area, but was still a universal cover. Over the next 80 years, two other mathematicians shaved slivers from Powell's universal cover. In 1936, Roland Sprague removed a section near one of the corners. In 1992, H.C. Hansen removed two tiny wedges from the lower right and left corners. To give you an idea of how much Hansen actually removed, the two pieces had an area of 0.000000000004 units. John Byes, a mathematician at the University of California, Riverside, says they're roughly triangular pieces. It's impossible to actually draw them because they're so ridiculously small. So you can't really draw them in scale because they would actually be like atom-sized pieces. Byes lifted Lebesgue's universal covering problem out of obscurity when he wrote about it in 2013 on his popular math blog. He confessed he was attracted to the problem the way you might be attracted to watching an insect drown. He says his whole interest in the problem is morbid because he doesn't know of any reason it's important, and he doesn't see it connected to lots of other math. But Baez says it's so astoundingly hard that he admires the people who work on it the same way he admires people who ski across the Antarctic. Philip Gibbs has never skied across the Antarctic, but he did read Baez's blog. So when I saw this problem on John's blog, I thought, oh, that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm looking for. Early in his life, Gibbs thought he might become a scientist. He received an undergraduate degree in mathematics from the University of Cambridge and a Ph.D. in theoretical physics from the University of Glasgow. But he soon lost his enthusiasm for academic research and instead became a software engineer. He worked on systems for ship design, air traffic control, and finance. He retired in 2006. Gibbs then became a non-professional researcher. I was still always interested in both physics and mathematics, so I always tried to follow what was going on. And although as an independent mathematician or scientist, it's very hard to keep up with everything that's going on in the field, obviously. But if you find the right kind of niche, then you can do some stuff and you can come up with some useful results. So Lebesgue's universal covering problem was perfect. The problem had never attracted much attention from mathematicians, so he suspected that he would be able to make progress. Gibbs also realized his programming background was an advantage. I'm always on the lookout for problems where you can maybe use computers to try and do a bit of experimental mathematics, if you like, and try and do some computational things to try and understand the problem a bit better. In 2014, Gibbs ran computer simulations on 200 randomly generated shapes with diameter one. From a distance, they looked similar to the kind of covers that people had come up before. But when I looked closely, I could see that there was something a little different. The simulation suggested Gibbs might be able to trim some area around the top corner of the previous smallest cover. You remember that the corners were cut off by rotating this hexagon through 30 degrees. Well, what I noticed when I was looking at it was the best shape wasn't quite 30 degrees. It was maybe a degree off. So you're rotating a hexagon through maybe 31 degrees. 
and then cutting off two of the corners. That's then a bigger cover. So if you then take the shape where you've rotated the thing through 31 degrees and start using the same kind of arguments to cut pieces off, then you find you can cut off more than you could before. At first, I thought, well, that could just be a numerical error. It's quite a small difference. But then I went back to thinking about the proofs again, and I realized that Powell's proof also worked for this case. So you could prove that if you cut off the corners at an angle from a regular hexagon, then it was also a cover. Gibbs created a proof that the new cover worked for all possible diameter one shapes. Gibbs sent the proof to Bies, who worked with one of his undergraduate students, Kareen Bogdasarian. They helped Gibbs revise the proof into a more formal mathematical style. The three of them posted the paper online in February of 2015. It reduced the area of the smallest universal covering from 0.8441377 to 0.8441153 units. Here's mathematician John Buys. He was shaving off pieces which are which are still small with area like two times ten to the minus fifth, <laughs> which sounds puny. But that was a million times bigger than what Hansen had been doing. Back in 1992, Gibbs was confident he could do better. In a paper posted online last October, he lopped another relatively gargantuan slice from the universal cover. That brought its area down to 0.8440935 units. Gibbs's strategy was to shift all diameter one shapes into a corner of the universal cover he'd found a few years earlier, then remove any remaining area in the opposite corner. But it's tough to accurately measure the area savings. Baez says the techniques Gibbs used are all from Euclidean geometry, like you'd learn in high school. It just involves plane geometry. But it turns out, anyway, that to actually solve it, you have to do some like really nitty gritty details work with like ruler and compass constructions that go on and on and on. For now, Gibbs continues to hold the crown for finding the smallest universal cover, but his reign isn't secure. Gibbs believes there's still room to find a better universal cover. Baez hopes the renewed attention that Gibbs has brought to the question will stimulate more interest by other mathematicians. It's possible that the right way to solve it involves some really different kind of ideas and I have no idea what they would be. But it might also be possible to leave the ruler and compass behind. Perhaps an advance in computing could let mathematicians engage a full arsenal of modern mathematical techniques, making the smallest universal cover even smaller. Michelle Yoon helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Kevin Hartnett's full article, Amateur Mathematician Finds Smallest Universal Cover, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Want to hear more about unlikely finds by unlikely people in the world of math? Check out the Quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, by the MIT Press, available now wherever you buy books or to listen to on audible.com. 